It is another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm not Woody Womack. I am Rob Cassidy. Woody is again in Europe. Uh, I guess that must be a nice situation. He's summers over there. Nick Kruger is with me, as always, live from Austin, Texas. How are you, Nick? You said it was my birthday. It was my birthday on Monday. <laughs> it is what a very happy birthday to Nick Kruger, and happy birthday yeah. to you. Do you feel older and wiser? Uh, no, absolutely not. But you know what? Right, right before we started recording, you said, "Do you have any rants or recommendations?" And I and I said, "No." But you know what? I do have one. My birthday was on a Monday. Like, I mean, of all of all days to have a birthday. Monday is not the ideal a candidate, you know? Well, it's fine for, I mean, it's better for us than it would be if you were like a, uh, you know, like a stock trader or some normal job or a teacher. Uh, whereas, you, you know, you can, at least it's, I guess the worst thing in our business, right? Is if it's your birthday is on like a Friday night, like in the middle of the football season, right? It's better than that. Well, in the old days, you know, when I, when I was traveling with Womack, you know, a Friday night birthday on the road would have been would have meant some definite hijinks and all likelihood. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that. I guess you can get rid of the get rid of the game and then go out for the hijinks. Did you see the email I got from the party bus guy yesterday? Speaking of hijinks, that was trying to pitch us. Uh, it was like a rivals.com thing. I, I forwarded it to you and then I tweeted it out. He emailed rivals and was like, I saw your website. Just wondering if you guys needed any party bus content because, you know, I'm a party bus blogger that owns a party bus company. It's like, do we ever want party bus? Why content? would we need a party bus? I don't know. That's why. That's why the email was so funny. I did. I forwarded it out to everybody, and I'm like, we should bring this guy on. <laughs> I got news for you. If if we it, it, say say what you want to about uh, the five star challenge in Indianapolis this this past summer, if a party bus was in the equation for either us or the or the prospects, it would have been an entirely different scenario. <laughs> yeah, I mean, think of the clicks we get on Rob's post game party bus every. You know, it'll run every Saturday morning. Some blogging would need to be done in that scenario. I, you know what? Party Buzz blog probably isn't that bad of an idea now that I think about it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I think our guy's onto something. Okay. All right, well, let's, All jump right. Into, uh, let's jump into football now. Uh, I guess, you know, this week, plenty of stuff going on. I want to talk about something that happened last night, first of all, and that's Elijah Lee, who picked Georgia. Uh, Elijah Lee is a four-star wide receiver from St. Thomas Aquinas in Florida. Good player. Uh, I guess the reason the story is interesting to me, though, is that he commits to Georgia. Everybody for a long time, until about a week ago, thought he was going to go to Ole Miss. He was on his way to an Ole Miss visit. Uh, and the way he tells the story, he was six miles away from campus uh, and when Hugh Freeze got fired. So it's hard to come back from that. You know, I, I mean, you're never going to if that happens when you get a kid that you're trying to land on campus. I mean, you might as well kiss him goodbye. And that happens. He commits to Georgia. I guess the larger question is, how bad is this for Ole Miss? Not the Elijah, not the or not Elijah Lee, Elijah Moore. Elijah Lee's a linebacker at Kansas State. Um, it's it, how bad is this situation on the larger for Ole Miss? I mean, are they going to be able to recruit anybody before signing day? And what do we think this class is going to look like? Uh, how much do we think this is just going to be a disaster? You know, I, I'm wondering what the parallels uh, we could draw between the situation that Ole Miss is in now and the situation that Baylor was in last year. And uh, I, I mean, really, could you could could we be so bold as to say that Baylor put out the blueprint for Ole Miss to follow at this point? Because you know, we're talking it, all the way almost through the end of fall. Baylor had one commitment last year uh, from Jalen Petrie, who didn't decommit after the whole Bryle saga. Ole Miss in a little bit better of a situation with the commits that they still have uh, under the circumstances. But, you know, they hired they hired a coach that had 
they had strong high school ties in the state and they were able to replenish an entire signing day class. Like it was like top 50 in the country considering their circumstances was a pretty good move. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, since they didn't make such a drastic move, a head coach, uh, you know, and they're sticking, and they're sticking with, uh, you know, a guy that they already had on staff, you know, maybe those relationships are still there. And, and as we get through the fall, you know, some dominoes will fall, some things will shake out and, and they'll start to pick up some of the guys that maybe some other programs kind of left behind and they can still fill things out. I, You know, it's it's not looking good in terms of, you know, the guys that they, you know, were trying to seal the deal on, close on in, in, in like this most recent case. I mean, obviously their situation isn't going to help them with that. But as far as, you know, as far as getting some guys at the end of the season, I think, and, and trying to keep the guys that they have in this class, you know, they're, it could be worse. It's amazing. They still finished third in the Big 12 last year after all of that. It's, I mean, that is incredible, <laughs> really. I think – all right, let me to play devil's advocate here. The difference is Ole Miss has an interim coach, right? Like they're still going to go out and find somebody else, at least when they brought in Rule. Well, I guess no. You're right. It's the same. They brought in Rule after the season. I, I it's, it's almost identical. I guess there is hope for Ole Miss. Uh, last year, Baylor finishes third in the Big 12. I don't have their national ranking on hand right now. Ole Miss is. Uh, why can't I find this? Here we go. Ole Miss right now is. I, I'm just gonna guess dead last in the SEC, and they are. Uh, <laughs> they've got they've got a hill to climb here, and I think the uncertainty, I guess, is the difference. I don't think anybody thought that Baylor was going to get bowl bans, you know, say what you will, if they deserve them or not, that's a different conversation. But I think it was pretty well understood that the NCAA had already done what they were going to do to Baylor with Ole Miss. There could, they could add an extra year. And if that happens, you know, we see Shea Patterson transfer, probably the, the, the bright young quarterback there. And then I think this class might be historically bad. If that happens, that's, that's when you sign the, you know, the, the, the class of 10 guys. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, the other thing too, is, that Baylor that Baylor did successfully that I think Ole Miss could probably find a way to do as well no matter what uh is is you know a lot of the guys that Baylor offered down the stretch were guys that you know in some cases I mean it was you know they were just like their they were just like their first or second FBS offer they were three-star quality level kids on the low end of the three-star spectrum but guys that probably were deserving of an FBS offer that didn't come through and get one till late I mean when you're Ole Miss you know regardless of the situation regardless of the bowl bands I mean rather than rather than competing for you know those high upper tier level guys that every SEC team is competing for now if you shift your focus to guys that you know you thought were maybe on the on the fringe that that had potential that could probably deserve a chance that would be you know lured in by the fact that you know Ole Miss is still an SEC team I, you know, I think that's I think that's kind of where you kind of have to butter your bread to kind of salvage a you know a, a reasonable recruiting class. Speaking of high level guys, I did want to talk about Justin Fields very briefly because we do this every week. It seems like, and there's really not a lot of new news. But Justin Fields, you know, the number one dual threat quarterback in the country, uh, is you know pretty well documented looking at schools such as Florida State, Georgia, Auburn. Everybody thinks they're getting him, which we love on this podcast. Uh, which happened last year with a junior college player who committed to seven schools. <laughs> Justin Fields is not committed to any schools that I know of, but I found it pretty interesting. Our very own Chad Simmons, who covers Georgia for us, did a survey of Georgia players this week, and it splits like this. So we talked to a handful of Justin Fields' peers and asked them where this kid's going because nobody seems to know. Seven say Georgia, four said Florida State, and four say Auburn. 
I think there's probably an in-state bias here. I mean, if you're going to ask Georgia kids where they're going, of course, they're going to say Georgia. You know, I mean, Justin Fields loves Georgia. I still think it's Florida State, but I thought that split was interesting. I thought more people would pick Florida State. Uh, I know you and I both don't cover him. Chad does. Woody's a little closer to him because Woody used to cover him, and he is not here. But what is your guess, Kruger? And then we'll move on. Well, you know, earlier this morning, I was reading the uh, the story that we have posted on the site, you know, kind of making the case for each one of those schools and you know, just kind of going through the circumstances in my head. I mean, if Florida State makes the most sense, right? I mean, it seems to be there's a, a clearer path for him uh, into a starter's role sooner there at a at a high level program that's, you know, in the conversation for a national championship this year. Uh, you know, you're you're not you know, you're not in a situation where you're competing with other five-star quarterbacks uh, for for a spot. And Jimbo Fisher has a great reputation as an offensive mind and a, and a quarterback's coach. So I think Florida State just makes too much sense for him, you know, not to go there. Yeah, it's a bold move if he goes to Georgia and throws himself in with those five stars with Eason, who's going to start this year, and then Jake Fromm, who's waiting in the wings, another five star, who the Georgia fans are very, very high on and the Georgia coaching staff is very high on. So and I don't think Justin Fields lacks confidence, but man, it just seems unnecessary. You know, you can go to Florida State, wait in the wings for DeAndre Francois to be done, and then that's your school and, you know, it's a school ready made to win. But I don't want to spend too much time on Fields because we do this every week. What I do want to spend time on is talking about our boy, Lane Kiffin, who is, yes. you know, the most amazing thing to talk about ever. We could do a whole episode on Lane. Last yeah. week, we talked about Last Chance U on this show. He has since recruited another player from East Mississippi State and John Franklin, who transferred from Auburn. So that gives him three players that have starred on that show on, the, on his roster. Uh, and now he's taking other cast offs too. And I appreciate what Lane's doing here because it's, I'm going to find all this talent and I'm going to take chances on everybody that's had some kind of either transfer or checkered past. And I'm just going to bring them all to FAU and hope half of them work out. If it does, I should be able to compete in the conference. That's that, that, is that what it looks like on the surface to you, Nick? Yeah. I mean, there's no downside to what, to what Kiffin is doing. The first, I mean, when you're talking, when you're talking about a school that doesn't play in a power five conference that has been. Uh, you know, a cellar dweller as far as, you know, as FBS football is concerned for however long. And and we've talked before on this podcast that Kiffin has got to be angling at some point for a job, not at Florida Atlantic at some point at in the some future. Point being now, probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the sooner the sooner you can get out of there, the, the better. So all he's going to do is try and get in as many guys with, you know, with, with some perceived level of talent and potential as he can try and put it all on the table and, in, in, you know, in a season or two and get and get the heck out of there. And I don't. I mean, I don't see what's, uh, but it's 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 mutually beneficial, right? Because all of these kids now get a chance to play FBS football. I mean, the other guy that you mentioned earlier, which is a whole other story to itself, and we should get some more details from our friends at Sooner Scoop, is Chris Robeson, who was, you know, si- assigned to Oklahoma's class as a Rivals 250 quarterback, had uh, was just dismissed or asked to leave the team, you know, last week or I think, and and he's already signed on and he's going to be going to FAU now too. So, I mean, there's just, uh, this morning before we started the podcast, I saw a tweet that said Navy is getting its own Showtime show that follows them throughout the course of the season. season They did it with Florida State last year. And and Showtime has got to be like, what were we thinking? Right <laughs> we could have had FAU. What are we doing? We're going to the Naval Academy? Are you kidding me? You're going to the opposite of Lane's house, you know? Maybe this is Showtime. Own, maybe Lane can get his own Netflix show now. I mean, maybe that's what he's angling for. I mean, if I'm the FAU media department, like, I'm doing everything I can to, you know, put that sort of thing on YouTube, on Twitter, anything like that. I mean, you've got to. 
Yeah, I mean, if, if you control it, it's one thing. But man, I don't know if I'd be all right with Showtime turning loose with the camera following Lane Kiffin around Boca Raton. Uh, boy, <laughs> the things that could capture. I, you know, I like what he's doing too. The only way it gets you in trouble is if you go full Charlie Weiss on this thing and you take way too many transfers and JUCOs. And the next thing you know, the roster numbers are so screwed up and you've got one class, a freshman class with like nine guys in it or eight guys. And when that class becomes seniors, it becomes – Really hard to fill the numbers because of the scholarship limitations in each particular class. And you can really screw a program for years uh, recruiting like this if you go too far. And he hasn't gone too far yet. I think he's plugging some nice holes. But it's just like all high-profile kids, whether they're former four or five stars, kids that were on reality shows. I mean, he's not messing around. He's not going for like the normal FAU recruit. This isn't Lane Kiffin trying to you know get in with a five, six, three star. He's he's going for broke, and hopefully it works because if he does this and then they go, you know, they win three games this year, <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be a problem because he's gonna it's gonna be screwed down the road as well. I mean, right right now, looking at uh looking at the rivals FAU site, it seems as though they've only got two commitments. Uh, in 2018, in this class, so it, despite all the headlines and players coming to coming to campus, you're right. They need to they need to grassroots it a little bit more. I think just uh, if I, but that's not again. That's not Lane's prerogative. He's not going to be doing that. The AD has to come and be like, you know, listen, we, <laughs> <laughs> we got to you know do a little something here. So that conversation between that bit there have already been some fantastic conversations between Lane and his AD. I I mean yeah, if you hire uh, Lane, you know what you're getting, right? I'd like to go hang out with Lane. We stress we stress about our expense reports at the end of every month. I mean, what do you think uh what do you think the AD's thinking when <laughs> when Lane gets, sends that email in? <laughs> we should oh, I should email the guy back that emailed about the party bus and be like, "Look, man, I don't have a party bus, but what I do have is Lane Kiffin, who is a human party bus." And you can go up to FAU and we'll let you blog about him. And it's the closest thing to a party bus you're going to find in college football. It really, it's where our two worlds meet. <laughs> the human party bus. <laughs> That's not a bad nickname for our boy either. We may have to yeah. spend on him. I mean, he's wearing those Hawaiian shirts more frequently now. He covers up a little bit of the, you know, a little bit what's going on underneath. He might no, be a party bus. it's perfect because the Hawaiian shirts that. fit into the party bus persona, you know. The human party bus is a great nickname for Lane. That's true. You're right. All Mark right, it let's, down. Let's move forward. Uh, Lane's, you know, watch this segue. Lane's got two quarterbacks transferred in. And now let's talk about quarterback week here. Nick Kruger. How about that for a segue? Uh, it's a Rivals.com. Yahoo is also doing a year of the quarterback thing this week. So it was really some nice synergy between us and our parent company. Uh, it's been quarterback week at Rivals.com. Nick, you wrote a story about five-star college football or five-star quarterback still in college football. Uh, it's on the website now. People can read it at Rivals.com. Who's still out there and, and, and who kind of – was there anybody on there that's like struck with you like this guy's really got to do something because I forgot he was in college football? Well, so the most the most interesting thing to me uh, as I started writing that was was finding, uh, you know, finding finding out that I think between 2012 and 2014, each one of those classes had two five star quarterbacks in it, and one of them has gone on to uh, be pretty well accomplished in terms of their their college and professional accolades. Meanwhile, the other one is still trying to figure out, you know. How to get how to get the last little essence of success out of their college football career? I mean, 
you know, the, but and I and I wish I wish I could have squeezed it in here because I I thought that for a second Gunner Kill was uh was still on Cincinnati's roster, but he was he was really the saddest example if you remember his recruitment. Uh, and then he was in the same class as Jameis Winston, only ten spots down in the rivals' rankings from Jameis Winston. Winston obviously going on to uh, win a national championship and be the first overall pick. And Gunner, he's not even on an NFL roster after a poor pro day at, at the University of Cincinnati. So that was tough. Um, Our boy Gunner you know, has been Brown on so many NFL this, rosters, Nick. He's been on you could, so many college football rosters. You could have told me that he was like, yeah, he's still he's still in the league, and he's uh, he's at FAU, and I would have been like, yeah, all right, that makes sense. So we got we got Max Brown uh, transferring to Pittsburgh. Um, you know, Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen is probably going to be. I, I think Kyle Allen has the the highest chance for success now that he's at, at Houston this season. I think he's probably the one. That, that may out of that kind of demographic of players that came in with another quarterback that that did well in their class, I think Allen is probably the guy that um, from from the 2014 class that could come in and and do pretty well for himself this year. He should have stayed at A and M. Now that you know, now that it's cleared out for him, he would have been fine. You know, he would have been he would have been the starter there right now. Uh, he got a little bit itchy and, and jumped, and I think he's going to be fine too. I like him. While we're at it, though, Josh Rosen is a five star also. Also in still in college football, I'm sure he made your story. Did you happen to read much about his comments in the last couple of weeks about how school and football don't go together out there? Did you see this? No, the last thing the last thing that I saw about him was him him trying to do the very PC thing in a in an interview about uh, you know coming back from injury. I guess it really didn't have as much to do about school as it did him coming back from from a shoulder issue from last year. What did, what did he say about school though? He said school and football don't go together, and his point was valid. Like you know we're out here not being paid, and we're being asked to be full time students, and you know some of us are trying to major in certain things. And, you know, then we're also asked constantly to be in football and these two things don't mesh well. You know, we can be student athletes, but they don't go together. And that created a ton of blowback from people with dog avatars and eagle avatars not telling the kid to shut up and play. Uh, but he had a good point. Uh, and then Jamora comes out and says, you know, part of having Josh Rosen on your team is he's going to be outspoken. And I just love the kid, man. I, I hope that he is the number one pick in the NFL draft. I've always liked Rosen. He kind of speaks to me as a person. Uh, what's your take on him? Do you think he is? You think he is a first round, like a number one overall? He's definitely a first round draft pick. Is he the number one NFL, the number one pick in the NFL draft next year? Uh, we're gonna have to see. We're gonna have to see what this season looks like. I mean, he he had a pretty good he had a pretty good year last year. Prior to the point where he where he got hurt, he had that he had that rough opening game against Texas A and M. But uh, after that, he kind of kind of got things got things back on track but i can't remember did, was it was it a shoulder injury was it a nerve related thing that always makes me nervous when i can't remember what it was it was something and then they shut him down uh i don't think it was anything like you know it's not like a baseball pitcher where you know he was out for a year i think it was more of a cautionary thing i don't think yeah. he probably is people love him um i love him i <laughs> i think he's a great quarterback and i guess we will see I wrote something for Quarterback Week this week about polarizing quarterbacks, uh, the most polarizing quarterbacks in the history of rivals. And none of the guys on the list were polarizing when they were in high school. But, you know, we got names on there like Johnny Manziel talking about human party bus. You know, he's like the Lane Lane Kiffin of of quarterbacks. Tim Tebow was on there. Uh, Jimmy Clausen was on there. I can't remember who else made the list. People were mad that Jameis Winston wasn't on there, but I don't really see Jameis Winston as polarizing. You know, he's just more of a guy that had a little bit of dust up. I don't think there are that many people out there that really hate Jameis Winston right now. Are we, are we talking like polarizing, like people can't decide if they're good or not? Like either people love these guys 
or they hate them, or right, here's the better way to think about it. If I write their name in a headline, <laughs> or Skip Bayless does, it's going to click crazy off the page. That's where you get your Manzels and your Tebos and your Kaepernicks. He was on there as well. Oh, um, uh, yeah. And those kind of guys. Now, you see, I don't think Winston is in that group. Well, he's not, I mean, he's not anymore. You know, he was, he was for, he, he had a real, he had a real strange patch there with the, especially when the crab legs got involved. I think that was probably when he was at his most polarizing because then people couldn't figure out if, if that guy had like any self-awareness <laughs> at that point. Um, but, but, but I think now, I think now he's kind of moved past that. So he's probably off the radar and as far as that stuff Stealing goes. crab legs from Publix. I mean, that's like one of the, can you think of a more Florida football player headline in, in the history of the world? You got your crab, you got your seafood and you've got your Publix and you've got your Florida state quarterback all in the same headline. It's amazing. I mean, the, you know, the, I feel bad. I feel bad for those guys because I feel like the truth is always lost somewhere in translation where it's always kind of like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Sure. You can have some crab legs and then they're walking out of the store and then, the person didn't tell the manager, and then the manager calls the cops, and it's a whole thing. You know, that's yeah, probably what ended up happening. Dad, he just walked into a Publix, grabbed the crab legs, and was like, "I'm Jameis Winston. I'm taking these crab legs." You know, I'm sure there was some kind of uh, back channel. Uh, that's usually how yeah. this works with athletes, in my in my estimation, anyway. So, we don't need to spend. Man, a t- go ahead. What? Read those stories, though. We need. You know, for for all the for all the marketing and attention that shark week has gotten over the past decade or whatever i mean we 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 spring this quarterback week on people without much fanfare we need it that's on us we should have we should have promoted it a little bit beforehand you know it also doesn't help you know you gave you gave a big shout to yahoo for doing year of the quarterback but I, it seems to me like they're trying to one-up us a little bit i mean yeah they might be uh and you know they've, they've got fair they've got the audience to do it you know maybe the problem <laughs> is we don't have our boy that emailed me can you imagine a feature like quarterback party bus where we sit our boy the, the party bus blogger it also owns a party bus comp company to drive some of these dudes around and then blog his experience on the party bus with with, with josh rosen and company he's gonna be uh, by the end of this podcast he's gonna be needing to collect some royalties for all the drops that the, <laughs> the shout outs that we've given get the email I, that i, I, sent I probably like i probably did and he's just going on and on about how we're lacking in our party bus content. <laughs> Man, boy, I'll I'll have to go back and look. Was it satirical or was he no, being he's, like he's dead serious, man? Like I think what happened, you know, in all honesty, and this makes it less funny, is that he was just copy and pasting this paragraph and sending it to all kinds of different media outlets, hoping to right. catch on as a part time job. And he just yeah. happened to send it to me, who of course tweeted it. I took out his last name, um, so that was nice. We can move right, beyond well, quarterback week now, and we can move <laughs> to more party bus discussion. Now we'll talk to we'll talk about uh we'll talk about the the big opener. We'll talk about Florida State and Bama. Nick Kruger says, as Nick Kruger points out, the cheapest ticket to this game right now is five hundred and fifty dollars. That's the get in price, which seems insane to me. Nick Kruger, what game would you rather see for five hundred and fifty dollars? There's something out there you would pay five hundred fifty dollars to see. Period. Game or game or not game. Well, the reason the reason I I thought this was uh you know a uh, more of a speaking point is because you know if this game happens if this game happens is the last game of the season it's the national championship right i mean do do we think that whoever loses this game is you know what what, what does this do for their championship chances going forward I, I would imagine if either if either team loses especially by a close margin it's not a death sentence for the rest of their season so i mean a lot of people that are buying these tickets probably feel like this is this is what they'll go do instead of trying to check out the bcs championship and it's in the new Falcon Stadium, which should be uh, pretty interesting to see too. Yeah, we got to so. talk. We'll talk about that in rants and recommendations because I'm curious about that. We'll get we'll get to that. I okay. I don't. 
Yeah, I mean, a loss, all it means is that you now have to win out. If No matter who loses this game, if they win out the rest of the season, they're probably going to the playoff. Um, but, you know, you can't be FSU and drop a game to Clemson or, you know, drop a game to Miami. Uh, then you're probably gone if you've lost. And if you're Alabama, you can't drop a game to anybody. If you lose to FSU, uh, it's going to knock you down. But then you have to run the table in the SEC, which is, you know, Alabama has done before, uh, but it's difficult. I don't think I don't think that it's necessarily – Losing this game is a death sentence as far as playoff hopes go. I'm trying to think of anything. I paid five fifty for a Mets uh, National League Championship Series ticket, a little bit less. Other than that, I don't. I mean, there's not a college football game out there. You know, they could resurrect Bear Bryant and have him coach against Saban, and I would not pay that much money to see a college football game. Is there any the game only, out there historically that you would pay that much money to see? Well, the only way the only way that I'm paying half a thousand uh, you know five hundred dollars or more to go see a game i like i like if I, I know how big of a mets fan you are i wouldn't go to if it was game seven of the league championship series i might consider going it for that but i'm not paying that much unless it's a championship scenario so i'm i'm talking that's got to be a world series ticket for me is there a concert or something else outside of the realm of sports that you would pay 550 dollars to see well a concert a concert like I mean, you know, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good uh, music festivals you could get, you know, pretty good deals at for 500 something dollars. So, so I would probably do that. I like music. I, I me, me being a, you know, me being the, the biggest Jaguars fan that I know, <laughs> you know, I, I'd, I'd pay any amount of money to go see him in the Super Bowl if they made it that far ever. So, so I wouldn't worry about that. I would never pay that much for week one, though. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think that's a problem you're going to have in the near future is the Jags. Oh, in the Super Bowl. I've never been to a music <laughs> festival. I know that sounds crazy. I'd like to go. I'd like to if I go to one. I'd like to go to South by Southwest. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't. You know, I I didn't really ever get. Uh, I mean, I haven't actually. I haven't been here that long, so I don't really have much of an opportunity. But but I didn't get into South by Southwest with the music stuff as much as uh, as much as I've enjoyed going to Austin City Limits. And we're still debating whether or not we want to go to uh, that coming up here you know jay-z is a headliner isn't chance the chance go to that last year i think he was at it last year maybe no i i well i can't i can't recall if he was there last year or not i didn't see him i only went for one day last year so if if he wasn't there i didn't see him but i think he's going to be there this year one of these days i need to make it to a music festival that's uh it's austin city limits is good because it's like right it's like I, i mean i live two and a half miles away from where it is so i mean it's not a big it's not a big deal for me to, you know, you don't have to like worry about camping and using outhouses more than you have to. And actually the bathrooms they set up there are pretty nice too. Yeah, but, you got, but, you uh, high-end porta-potties as well. Let's move into, before yeah. we, actually before we move into Tweet of the Week and our answer recommendations, let's do something here with Woody not yeah. here. Um, I'll get his pick too. Give me a team that you think is a team that may challenge to make the playoff that isn't like Alabama or Florida State or, you know, Oklahoma. Uh, give me give me a sleeper pick, if you will. I hate that word, but, but let's let's hear because we're we're coming right up on the season. Uh, you know, no picking anybody in the top eight. Let's say that outside right, of the top. All right, eight, that's have to go. top eight will make the playoff. Well, well, Michigan is nine, so that's <laughs> that's an obvious one. You know, I I have to say I have to say I want I want to root for Oklahoma State because um. You know they have a you know they they recruit a lot of guys that I you know that I like and you know I I, I want to see I want to see like another team in the Big Twelve really you know uh, well I guess they they've been really good in the Big I shouldn't have said it like that but but I want to see I want to see a third option you know kind of take some momentum away from Oklahoma and Texas in terms of the the conversation of the conference. Are you ready um, for my crazy pick? 
Yeah, yeah, give it to me. West Virginia. West Virginia? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yep, I'm telling you. I, I The Big 12 is so down that I think somebody is going to sleepwalk through that league undefeated. And if West Virginia does it, all they really have to do is get through Virginia Tech in week one. If they win that game, that's a huge non-conference win. And then it becomes a little bit possible. You've got Oklahoma. I mean, there's a reason this is a long shot. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen. You've got Oklahoma that's got a brand new coach that's not as dominant as ever. Oklahoma State, who's a fine football team too, but not unbeatable by any means. And if they get through those two games and can beat Kansas State, then the table's wide open for them. And they're a good Mm -hmm. football team. I think Kansas State has a better chance than West Virginia. It, it, it coming up at nineteen. Look, speaking of the Big Twelve, we got Texas at twenty three, West Virginia, Kansas State, Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma's got to be in there. That's that's half of the conference is in the is in the preseason Big Twelve My here. Just Kansas playing. State is as follows: they're good, but even if they get through the league undefeated, they may be the Big Twelve team that gets left out because they their biggest non conference game is against Vanderbilt, which you know, no disrespect to Vanderbilt, but that's not exactly. Well, what if they? What if they go? What if they? What if they uh, win the Big Twelve in the? What, what if they? Well, if they go undefeated, then they're definitely in, right? No, but, see, uh, I don't know. I think you, I mean, what if? No, because what if Alabama play, goes undefeated. What if USC goes undefeated? I, I don't. If know. if Kansas State beats Oklahoma twice in a season to to win a you know to win the conference and goes undefeated, I don't see how they're not in the in the playoff. Yeah, you know that non conference schedule is scary to me, though. I, yeah, I guess if they go undefeated. Here's my problem. Here's my problem with West Virginia. Okay, and I'll sum it up real quickly. They lost their two. They lost their two best receivers from last season, and their quarterback. It's a one man. It's a one man show at quarterback. And Will Greer, I've I've written I've written about him a couple of times in a couple of different stories over the past couple of weeks. I mean, people people don't remember like he's he's only played six games in his college career, and he's been he hasn't been a regular football player in a long time. He's only played six games in his career and three of them really weren't that good. His first three weren't that good. Then he got suspended. I mean, and he's been, he's been off and then, and then there's nobody behind him at the quarterback position at West Virginia. So you're down your two best receivers with a guy that hasn't played a lot of college football and no backup at quarterback. I I think things could go South in a hurry for West Virginia. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, like I said, there's a reason this is a long shot pick. I, I don't think it's by any means likely to see West Virginia in the playoff, but boy, I said long shot and I went super long shot. If that happens, though, you will never hear. If it does by somehow happen and they make it into the playoff, you will never stop hearing it from me. I may change the name of the podcast, the Rob Cassidy picked West Virginia podcast. What, what are we going to do when FAU goes undefeated and then they, and they're, and they're, they're left out of the playoff? I'll tell you what, what we're going to do. Gonna gonna Nick Krieger and Rob Cassidy are going to get a party bus to Boca. <laughs> we're going to go pick up our boy Lane. That's what we're going to do. The tweet of the week this week. You subtweet people all the time. You're nothing but an embarrassment. Comes from a Kentucky commit. And it's real straight to the point. It's not a conversation. It's not a response. It's almost just the most like high school tweet ever. Akeem Hayes, who is committed to Kentucky, <laughs> tweets oh, man. at 10 o'clock on August 13th. All females do is cheat and eat ice. Wow. Which is like, that is very specific. Like, I, mean, I, I, I laughed at that. I don't know why. It just, that came across my timeline and I was like, excuse me. Is that a thing that girls do is eat ice? Well, females put on blast right now everywhere. Females across the globe right now. 
an indictment yeah. of their ice eating tendencies. <laughs> it's, it's brutal. Brutal. I was looking. I wanted to talk before we go. I don't really have a rant. I got it right here. I don't want to have a rant or a recommendation unless you have anything. But have you seen – you mentioned the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Have you seen the prices oh. for the concession stands there? Uh, yeah, I thought they aren't, aren't they supposed to be like uh, pleasantly reasonable or it's something? Unbelievable. You get yourself a $5 beer, a $2 Coke, a $2 pretzel, nachos for three bucks. Right. Well, that, I mean, that, that venue is going to be making money hand over fist. I mean, you've got you, you, a lot of people got to remember too. That's also the home for Atlanta, uh, Atlanta's MLS team out there. So, and, and before anybody, you know, sneers at that, they've been playing in Georgia Tech Stadium, Bobby Dodd Stadium and, and selling it out almost every week, you know, get, getting up around that 50,000, uh, attendance number there. They've got the highest attendance in MLS this year, I believe. So, um, they're going to be making a lot of money at that place. I mean, the, the, the other interesting thing too is, uh, Georgia State has is. Have you seen Georgia State is like completely renovated uh, yeah, old Turner Braves, Field yeah, into a football Braves stadium now? That's nice looking. Which which was surprising to me to find that out this morning because the conversation was when they built the new stadium out in Cobb County, they were saying that Turner Field needed 150 million dollars worth of uh, infrastructure renovations, and here we are. We're just going to be like, nah, we're just gonna we're just gonna flip the field into a football field and call it good. <laughs> and, a, and a nice one. Are we in a lookout for Georgia State situation here? I mean, obviously not on like a FBS level, but if they have that stadium and they're in arguably one of the best recruiting grounds in the country now. They've, they've got plenty to sell over the rest of those loser teams in their conference, right? That whole that whole area that they built, uh, you know, where the Turner Field area is, and 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 the reformation they're doing, turning that into an extension of the campus has really been impressive. I I don't know what what the implications will mean. Their their locker room looked pretty cool. Did you see the video of the of the guys walking into the locker room? Yeah, it looks great. Um, I mean, it looks like an FBS facility. So so I mean they you know but but we're seeing I mean. We see every single kid that I've talked to this spring and summer. It's like, what do you like about this school? It doesn't matter what school you're talking about. They all say the same thing. Oh, all the reno- all the stuff they're doing to the facilities, the upgrades to the facilities. Every single school is doing it. It's a total keep up with the Jones scenario. And uh, you know, it's you've got you've got to have these facilities if you want to have a sustainable football program. Yeah, poor Iowa State. <laughs> I mean, Iowa State is on the short list of people that say they love their facilities. Maybe they've upgraded since I've been there last, but the last time I was there, they served us uh, lasagna at nine o'clock in the morning for a ten a.m. game, and I ate it off of a. The press box was just like the tables were made of plywood. I mean, I'd say this for Iowa State, and I, I, you know, it's easy to pick on Iowa State right now. Their fans are unbelievable. That stadium is not nice. That team is not good, and yet they continue to sell out games. They draw so well there. I don't. I, I don't know how. I, I don't. I don't understand it. But man, you want to talk about a conversation about the real greatest fans in college football? They might be in Ames. Well, you got to. I mean, when you're the only game in town, you know. You. I mean, they're, they're, you want to talk about making money hand over fist? If they figured out, hey, listen. There's no, there's nothing else for entertainment value in Ames except for people coming to this football game. Let's just put plywood bleachers down and sit and charge them normal prices. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's this was in the press box too. It wasn't plywood bleachers. It was a plywood press box stadium. I mean, it was. But three dollar pizza slice at Mercedes Benz Superdome. You can't get three dollar anything in most stadiums. Just, there's if no you go to a there's normal no stadium. Pro- what can you get for three dollars? Well, you know, okay. So if they're selling pizza slices, though, I mean, well, let's wait and see what the quality level is there, because we, you know, we're not talking about three dollar personal Papa John's pizza. We're talking about a slice. So you know, it could go, it could go any way on yeah, that. Yeah, none of these things have brand names on them either. It's like two dollar hot dog doesn't say two dollar Nathan's hot dog. It's probably like, 
you know, two dollar. <laughs> I don't know what the worst brand of hot dog is. Is it like is it like Kroger? Do they have their own brand of hot dogs? <laughs> boiled, whatever kind. It's boiled. Uh, I did see. I did also see that they're putting a um a, a Chick Fil A in uh in the stadium that will be closed on Sundays. So oh, that's uh, in addition to boy, Falcons fans not going to be happy about that one. Well, you know, as I said before, you know they're making they're making their money on Saturdays for their soccer game. I'm sure there's probably some lucrative, uh, some 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 good deals for people that want to buy season tickets for both Atlanta FC and uh, Atlanta United FC. Excuse me, and uh, and the Falcons together. Hey, all right. Before we go, let me ask you this: We get a little bit of time. It's been short. I Which read- I would pay five hundred fifty dollars for season tickets for both of those teams. I would pay five hundred fifty for that for season not tickets. Yeah, not one game. Yeah. So I read this thing on Deadspin about American soccer, and I am not the biggest American soccer fan. I don't really watch the MLS. I don't really have a rooting stake in professional soccer. I do enjoy the game of soccer. I enjoy international soccer, but whatever. I just for whatever reason, I don't watch the English Premier League, and I certainly don't watch the MLS. And they were <laughs> they're kind of saying that we've kind of culture vultured England on this. And I guess the, the premise of the story is why do American soccer fans have to act like British people with the scarves and the songs and the weird names like Real Salt Lake? I guess if you look at like Real Madrid, the definition of the name is the king's favorite team. You know, that's why they're called Real. If they like the king and their favorite team, they get the Real tag. So there's no king of Salt Lake City, obviously. What's your take on American American soccer fans kind of playing, you know, it's it's like European soccer cosplay or something? If I tell, that's a great way to put it. If I tell you that, if I tell you this story, you may, you may, you may release the loudest groan you've ever groaned on this podcast for this story that I'm about to tell you. Ready? Which totally sums up everything that you just said. And by the way, you said that you're not, you're not in. Your your proclivity for picking up local teams, you know, Beckham. If if we, if the team shows up in Miami, I'll 100% jump on board. I don't have that. I know you will. You'll be wearing a, you'll be wearing a scarf in 95 degree weather and humidity. You're cheering on. I gotta learn the the songs. So Atlanta, when they were coming up with the team name for Atlanta, they put in they. Arthur Blank, the owner for the Falcons, owns the team. He says, "What should we name this team?" They just took a poll of people in Atlanta that root for so- that, like that say they like soccer. Like what names? Like what names you would want to see included in the team name? And and United and FC were the ones that people were most familiar with. So Atlanta United FC became the name of the soccer team because th- because those were oh. just lifted from the, the ground yeah. because they were lifted from, you know, from uh, how teams name themselves over in the, in the Premier League. And it is and it's frustrating to me as somebody who likes soccer and, and likes Major League Soccer specifically uh, that so many people that so many people that say they like soccer here have I, I can I can understand appreciating a team that has a higher level of talent and you like watching a quality product but you know for you for you to come on you know for you to come out into any casual soccer conversation and say that you're a liverpool fan and you have been since day one is is a, is a little <laughs> asinine you know no, I, I compare uh, it completely so you know so, so that's so that's kind of that's kind of my stance on the on the on the issue however i will say that the things like the chants and the scarves and the and the stuff like that even though it's even though it is something that's probably culture vultured, I think it is something that's endearing and it's fun and it gives a little bit more of an identity to the sport. No, chance are uh, chance are rat. I, I have nothing against chance. I think there should be chance at football games. 
So the second story I was going to tell you is my only chance to see Orlando City play this year was when they came to Houston. So me and my brother went over to Houston to go watch that game. Cool. I bought I bought a sale. I bought like a resale ticket. Coincidentally, I ended up we ended up in the same section as the traveling Orlando fans that were at that game. And Orlando Orlando lost four to nothing. Of course, that's the only game that I get to go see. That's the that's the result they come away with. But the entire game, all the all these lunatics in the back corner of the section had drums. They were chanting the whole time. They were relentless. They wouldn't let down and it's like as a fan at a visiting stadium too uh you know to to have those guys to have those guys behind you it made it made things a little bit more uh you know it made things a little a, more tolerable to watch considering the, no, <laughs> the, see, the result no on problem the field. with the chanting and the drums i think you know i went to the world baseball classic games here in miami and when the dominican republic played they were rolling in with the drums and the horns and it just made us me feel lame as an american sports fan you know i never i've never brought a drum to anything yeah, I know. I, I used to be. I, I wasn't banned in my uh, in my earlier days. I I did have a trumpet for a period of time. Some guys show up with those and get get after it New Day style. All right, last thing before we go. What is the lamest name of an MLS team? I think it is Sporting Kansas City. I think that is just terrible. Well, you know, you, you being a Kansas City person, will remember when they were the Kansas City Wizards? See, that was cool. That. They were the Wiz too. They were awesome when they were the Wiz. They had the rainbow logo yeah. that would go over real big these days, uh, given the cultural climate. Um, but I think uh, San Jose Earthquakes is pretty is pretty insensitive. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's what could happen? Sporting FC or like Real Salt Lake. So you you think it's lame when the teams do the adopt oh, the? Also, the New York Red Bulls is lame. Well, you know, you know that's a whole. We're getting into a whole conversation now about soccer. They actually own an Australian and I think like a Eastern European team too that all go by Red Bulls as well. You okay, know, that makes it a little more tolerable, I guess. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, there's there's goofy names. I, I I enjoy watching MLS in general. I think it's getting better as a as a league, and you're seeing more people come here from other leagues. So, uh, you know, you just got to give it some time. They're expanding pretty quickly, but but I think uh, before too long, you know, you'll you'll be full you'll be fully entrenched in the team Beckham uh, culture out there out there and wherever they're putting it, uh, Pembroke Pines or something like that. No, they're putting it downtown, like in Overtown. But that's going to wrap it up for us before we get too carried away with the here at the soccer podcast this week. We'll be back next week. Woody will be back, I think, from Greece, which will be great to have him back. And also, I've prepared a quiz that I'm very proud of for you two that I was going to just give to you this week, but I'm going to save it for Woody. Um, it's it, It's a good one. It should be a difficult one. Uh, it's a fun one. It's one that will probably upset at least one person. Uh, not on this podcast, but you know, it's, it'll be good fun. So you can follow me on Twitter at Cassidy underscore Rob. You can follow Krug at Twitter. At, it's what is it? Rivals Krug City or something? Rivals Krug City. Two O's. Wish me a happy birthday. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Rivals Podcast. Uh, and you know, as always, leave us an iTunes review uh, and tell us how terrible we are and how much you miss Woody. And we'll be back next week uh, with Womack back in the host chair. Play us out, Emma Deuce. <laughs> <laughs>